This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about court challenges over the governor's COVID-19 executive orders, the state's crime issues, and Republicans demanding information about what the governor knew about a wage theft case. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about mask and vaccine mandates and public safety. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com, the country's fastest growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. The governor still can't give an exact benchmark for when he'll lift the statewide mask mandate. Governor J.B. Pritzker had a mask mandate in place for more than a year until he let it expire in May. He then reinstituted a mask mandate in July. Monday, he couldn't say what the benchmark would be to lift the mandate. We're watching to make sure that we're on a good downward trajectory. That's what we were looking for back in May leading into June. It's what we're looking for now uh, in order for us to possibly make changes. Illinois is one of 12 states and territories in the U.S. with an indoor mask mandate for everyone, regardless of vaccination, according to the U.S. News & World Report. The majority of states don't have a mandate, including Illinois' neighbors. State Representative Brad Halbrook said he sees very little compliance in his district. I'm just not sure what it says other than evidently the governor has some information that nobody else has or very few people have. Halbrook said the indoor mask mandate should be done away with. For schools, Pritzker said he's following recommendations from the CDC. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that we, are, that we have kids who are masked. It's important to make sure to keep them safe. It's what scientists here in the United States are recommending, and so we're following it. State Senator Don DeWitt said these health care decisions should be made on a local level. With officials who are right there in the district dealing with all of the ramifications of this um, pandemic. Illinois is one of 17 states that has a mask mandate in place for schools. A judge in Effingham County has issued a temporary restraining order against the Illinois State Board of Education and reinstated the recognition status of two public schools that aren't following the governor's COVID-19 mask mandate. The case was brought by attorney Thomas DeVore on behalf of Red Hill, Wooden Heron, and Beecher City School Districts. Following the issuing of a TRO Wednesday, DeVore said due process is crucial to his argument, but part of his argument was that schools with masks optional haven't seen COVID cases increase. Why it legally doesn't have anything to do with the procedures that they have to follow, it is something the court considers when it's trying to balance the decisions that they make. He said it should send a message to other districts that Isby's authority on the mask issue is a facade. And I hope school districts will take it upon themselves to do what 
they think they need to do without being scared. I hope that happens. State Representative Blaine Wilhauer, whose district includes Beecher City Schools, said recent court decisions on the issue are setting precedent. You can't change somebody's recognition status unless they are in clear violation of a law. Um, there is no law for the mask mandate. Isby didn't respond to messages seeking comment about the public school's case, but a spokesperson did say they're changing agency rules on how to deal with private schools that don't follow the governor's mandates. That follows last week's case of a Kendall County judge siding with Parkview Christian Academy reinstating their recognition status. Wilhauer said, Isby's out of control and with inaction from the legislature, the proper venue is the court's. We're setting a major precedent for how things how things are handled um, moving forward. We can't just let these agencies run wild. And after a judge told a school district it couldn't require masks for students without a quarantine order, the district reported fewer cases of COVID-19, but it faced other consequences. Attorney Thomas DeVore said since securing a temporary restraining order and joining the Hillsborough School District for mandating masks for children on September 17th, cases at that district have gone down. I, I'm not saying that that's conclusive. I'm just saying that that is information to suggest that uh, masks on kids in this classroom may not be uh, something that's necessary to prevent the spread. While acknowledging cases are going down, Hillsborough Superintendent David Powell said there are other consequences. When we were no longer requiring the masks and a lot of our students are not wearing masks, then the close contact tracing radius goes from three feet to six feet. So we're identifying a lot more kids as close contacts. But also, if both students aren't masked, we lose the option to do the test to stay. Powell said he hasn't heard back from Isby's on the district's recognition status, but other conversations he's had have given him some indication. As long as the district is is not requiring the masks in response to a court order, that there wouldn't be any sanctions placed against the district from the state board with regard to recognition, funding, any of those things. A non-binding resolution from the Springfield School Board to the Illinois State Board of Education supporting COVID-19 vaccine mandates for students may be for not. Monday's vote is the first such resolution from a local school board in Illinois. Some of the district's students spoke in support of the resolution during public comments Monday, saying they feared possible increased COVID-19 cases and a return to remote learning. That sentiment concerned one resident, Sandy Stevens, who opposed the mandates, equating it to bullying. Big bully gangs like Biden, Pritzker, Isby, and the teachers union are all in part of your big bully gang and they have power and money. Obviously, you know that. You just got a hundred million dollars. For what? While COVID relief aid does have strings attached, supporters of the resolution said there's no money tied to it. Board member Micah Miller said it's important the district take a position, saying that they're a good way to keep kids in school. But he said not enough people are willing to get the shot. So it's abundantly clear that without some kind of direction from the highest level in this state, we are destined to be sitting here next year having these exact same conversations all over again. Board member Bill Ringer said instead of Passing non-binding resolutions, board members should take their personal opinions directly to health officials. Um, we need to focus more on educating our students and stay the course with our mission. The issue has created more controversy within our school and community. It's controversy we can do without. The resolution passed with two members opposed. Separately, Governor J.B. Pritzker was asked if he'll mandate vaccines for school children in Illinois. It's not something we're looking at doing. 
Pritzker's office didn't respond when asked why the governor is not looking at mandating COVID-19 vaccines for children in schools. In Illinois, the billionaire business owner and the billionaire governor going back and forth on how to handle the state's crime that even the governor says is nearly at a state of emergency. Ken Griffin, the owner of hedge fund Citadel, told the Economic Club of Chicago Monday he can't recruit people here as he did 20 years ago. It's becoming ever more difficult to have this as our global headquarters, a city which has so much violence. I mean, Chicago is like Afghanistan on a good day. And that's a problem. He shared his recollection of a call he was on during the 2020 civil unrest that hit Chicago. I told him to deploy the National Guard, and he goes, it won't look good for there to be men and women on Michigan Avenue with assault weapons. If that saves the life of a child, I don't care. And he doesn't care. He said it's a disgrace Governor J.B. Pritzker isn't inserting himself into Chicago's crime issues more. Pritzker Tuesday said Griffin made false remarks about the call, but he acknowledged the magnitude of the crime in Illinois. Look, we are nearly at a uh, state of emergency in our need to address crime. We are doing everything at the state level. Senate Republicans demanding votes on a package of bills for public safety, they said, should be the state's top priority. The bills include a $100 million grant program to fund local police and help with mental health issues. State Senator Chapin Rose said the money's already there. It just needs to be reprioritized away from what he called pork. $39.3 million from the governor's uh, recommended and $63.3 million in, uh, in uh, General Assembly directed um, grants. He demanded Senate President Don Harmon call the package of bills for a vote. Harmon's office said the bills will get appropriate review. While veto sessions only six days later this month, Rose said there's a will, there's a way, and that was evident in the sweeping criminal justice bill Democrats passed in January. We filed our bills. You've got two weeks to look at them. We're not pulling anything out of three o'clock in the morning in 58 minutes notice. So yeah, I think there is lawmakers return October 19th. Now that the eviction moratorium is ended in Illinois, some are wondering if there will be a wave of eviction filings that overload the system. Uh, Kevin Bessler has that story. Governor J.B. Pritzker's office reports more than $443 million in emergency rental assistance has been paid to over 49,000 households through the Illinois Rental Payment Program. The courts also need to provide some leeway for renters, and they will, and they are. Uh, they have resources to offer. Clint Sabin, spokesman for the Neighborhood Building Owners Alliance, says the eviction moratoriums have taken their toll on landlords throughout Illinois. Most rental units are provided by a housing provider who only owns a handful of units. And if you have just one or two units that are unable or unwilling to pay, that can add up very quickly to a real crisis. According to the U.S. Treasury Department, Illinois is one of the highest providers of rental assistance in the country. I'm Kevin Bessler. And Illinois State House Republicans waiting for answers from the state's top Democrats over questions about a story involving alleged wage theft, forgery, and a last-minute change to state law. Former Illinois State Police Merit Board CFO Jenny Thornley, who did campaign work for the governor in 2018, was charged last month with stealing up to $100,000 in false overtime. It's alleged she forged the signature of the agency's executive director, Jack Garcia. During Garcia's investigation of Thornley, Republicans say Thornley filed a sexual harassment complaint against Garcia that was later determined to be unfounded. Republicans want to know more about communication between the parties and the governor's office during that time. State Senator John Curran said it doesn't stop there. We also know that the governor's administration pushed for 
a clause in the criminal justice package passed in January to terminate that same executive director's employment. This is on its face retaliation. Curran said Republicans have yet to hear back from the House Speaker, Senate President, or the Governor. Did anyone in his administration know about Executive Director Garcia's investigation and why they didn't pull back on seeking to terminate him through legislation? Spokespersons for those offices didn't return messages seeking comment. And those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Illinois in Focus podcast. This is the Crosstalk segment. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square here in Illinois, joined by my friend and colleague, Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square. Dan, what's happening? Getting deep into fall uh, weather here, Chris. Uh, We're recording this on, uh, what is it, Thursday, October 7th. It's a nice steady rain coming on down here in northern Illinois. Nice fall temperatures. Yeah, it's a gorgeous day. If 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 you like the end of summer. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dan. Yeah, today's one of those days where I'm pretty sure that all the leaves that had been deciding whether to stay green or turn brown, it, they're going brown today. Uh, and they're it, and they're coming down. And they're coming down. Yeah. So that's 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 pretty good stuff right there. Hey, um we got some things to talk about. Uh, you know, this, there's this whole COVID thing that's going on. You may have read something about it in, in your local paper. COVID sounds uh, familiar. It's been happening since last, uh, well, we've reported upon it, uh, about it since last February. The, the, more, the more that you, know, that you read, it, it, it perhaps has been floating around longer than that, right? So uh, here in Illinois, we're still trying to get a handle on who's allowed to do what and who, who can say what and whose word means the most. Well, we had a little bit of pushback on Governor J.B. Pritzker's uh, agenda regarding COVID and uh, a couple downstate schools uh, had their status uh, reinstated by the Illinois State Board of Education. They had not been following the governor's mask mandate for schools. Judge said they don't have to. Uh, judge also says you're still a school. So there's some news there. Yeah. So back in August, heading into the, the new school year, uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker said everybody in, in Illinois schools needed to mask up teachers, administrators and students, regardless of uh, age and status. So K through 12 students, uh, you, when you go to school, you got to wear a mask all day. Well, uh, plenty of parents and even school districts and school boards across the state uh, didn't think that was necessary, didn't like it, um, uh, didn't think it was appropriate for students to mask up. So a number of schools um, essentially just said no to Governor Pritzker. We're not going to enforce the mask mandate. So Governor uh, Pritzker had the uh, Illinois State Board of Education um, take some penal action uh, against those schools, putting them on probation, decertifying some, threatening their funding. 
Um, well, several school school boards, um, several school districts uh, filed suit saying it was uh, unconstitutional against the law for the governor to do this via executive order. And yesterday, a judge in Effingham County uh, said the school schools were right um, and had a couple of schools that were put on probation by ISB, the Illinois State Board of Education, um, ordered, uh, granted a temporary restraining order uh, against ISB uh, for their probation, probationary status and put them uh, back on normal status. Um, this affects just a couple of school districts right now, but it tells me that if more school districts want to continue bucking uh, the, uh, the governor's mask mandate, uh, that they've got a good shot at winning in court. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, so here it is now, the first week of October. Uh, kids have been back in school in Illinois. We have not seen the uh, feared potential outcome of kids back in school this year happen here in Illinois. Haven't really seen that, you know, um, anywhere else around the United States. I mean, of course, the biggest fear would be that there'd be massive outbreaks of COVID among students and um, and others in the school would, would be getting COVID, as if the, the people who are, you know, in the school wouldn't be capable of bringing COVID into the school. It's always going to be the kids that were going to be creating this havoc in the schools. Haven't seen it. Yeah. Does that add, does would a judge in a case such as this one? I mean, of course, he's not ruling on you know on COVID, but but are the experiences of the moment are they uh, you know it's like contemporary data? Uh, are those things taken into consideration? Well, you know, I'm sure because even judges are human beings. I'm sure that's on the back of uh, judges' minds um, when they're uh, making these decisions. But from a legal standpoint, that's not supposed to be the case. This right. The judge in this case- they're Ruling on the law, but still. Ruled, ruled on the law. But from um, but the, the attorney who who brought the, these, uh, these cases that were ruled on yesterday, Thomas DeVore, who's been <laughs> a thorn in the side of Governor Pritzker throughout the pandemic, has, him, him personally has brought uh, uh, dozens uh, of lawsuits against Pritzker's executive orders and mandates during the pandemic. Um, he's he's gone on the record for for weeks now saying the schools that are bucking the governor's orders that don't have mass mandates are not showing any more cases of COVID outbreaks um, in them than schools that have mask mandates. Um, uh, now, granted, it's you know six, seven, maybe eight weeks of data when it, when it comes to this school year, uh, but that's that's not that's a, a reasonable amount of time. Um, um, I don't know that if it it's would be completely scientific, but it's anecdotal certainly. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure that the mass mandates are even working. Well, I mean, it's the uh, uh, we missed a lot of opportunities last year. You and I have talked about that. Things that we could have studied that would have given us clarity, as if uh, as if COVID were going away with a vaccine. We did not, you know, once the vaccine was announced, there it seems like the focus was uh, was lifted off of uh, studying, you know, sort of uh, dynamics that would have been helpful, like kids in school, people in the workplace. Uh, we just didn't study them to the degree that we could have or should have, and as a consequence public policy uh, coming out of this summer into this school year specifically, just as it pertains to schools, 
It was chaotic. It was chaotic. Um, Dan, let's move along. Um, uh, or do, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about you know since we're talking about schools and masks and uh, schools and COVID, do you want to talk about um, Merrick Garland's saber rattling with regard to parents showing up at school boards? This is sure. a federal issue. Um, but certainly we've seen here in Illinois where uh, parents have come forward to speak to their local school boards for some of them wandering into new territory, having never, never been to a school board meeting in person uh, prior to, prior to, to now. Um, and uh, being emotional. I mean, I think it's fair to say that there's, there's been a lot of emotion that's been discharged that at, at these school board meetings, but Merrick Garland um talking about some of this behavior, uh, equating it to uh, domestic terrorism. Yeah. What's the, what's, could you kind of, for the benefit of, of, you know, of the listeners out there who may be sort of picking up a little bit on this uh, externally or from other sources, what this really means? Yeah. So um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the uh, National School Board Association sent um, the, the, uh, the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland a letter um, asking uh, for some oversight because you've seen it, I've seen it, I'm sure most of our listeners have seen um, this backlash uh, against local school boards in Illinois and across the country over things like COVID mask mandates and things like critical race theory. Um, this this one in particular had to do with the uh, critical race theory being uh, taught in in various schools. And uh, the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland came out this week and directed the FBI. Um, and I think the, 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 the it was the school board association, the National School Board Association, mm -hmm. that used the 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 term "quote unquote" domestic terrorism. Um, and uh, Merrick Garland directed the FBI to start looking into um, these cases where parents have come come forward. And um, yes, uh, some of the exchanges have been heated, um, but that's what local debate is about, right? That's uh, these parents are taxpayers in their district. Their tax money is what operates these schools, what pays yeah. the school administrators, what pays the teachers. Um, so they have a right to speak their mind about what's going on in their local schools. And now the U.S. Attorney General is politicizing this by telling the FBI to start looking into these cases to see if 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 these parents should be held accountable for speaking their minds. Yeah, it's a, I think it's really, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, there has not been a, uh, an issue around public schools that has so much served as a lightning rod than, you know, than, than COVID there's, there's, there's been no school related issues of probably the last, oh man, 50 years that has been more divisive than, than COVID. And so people who are, uh, had not participated in conversation with government at the local level are showing up now, which is fantastic. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's like I've gone to school board meetings. You've gone to school board meetings, and you know, there's four people there, uh, and uh, you know, listening to a board of uh, seven, you know, four like literally an audience of four. Uh, usually, two of them are local reporters, or one of them is a local reporter, and three people came in for the you know for the uh, orange drink and uh, cookies. So now we've got people that are showing up, and and school boards aren't sure what to make of it. 
but uh, they're learning they're learning more and they're contributing to the conversation you know that that the that the uh, these the elected boards should be uh, you know should be listening to absolutely and and you know what hopefully this carries over to election time you know of course we had a presidential election last year it's been almost a year ago now and during president presidential election years you'll get you know turnouts in the 60s and 70 percents um local school board uh elections man oh. if you get if you get 10 12 percent those are terrible yeah, i mean I, I remember back years ago we had we had one uh in mchenry county the turnout was like seven percent yeah and so, you know, and in, in, in those elections, you know who does vote, right? The teachers and the teachers' families and the teacher unions, um, uh, people close to the teachers' unions. So they dominate those elections because most of the rest of the general public, you know, they they unfortunately they don't pay attention. They they stay away. But now that now that there's more, much more attention based on the decisions that the school these school districts these school boards are making during during the COVID era and with this recent uh, recent issue of CRT coming up critical race theory um, more parents are starting to pay attention to what's going on in their school districts hopefully they're still paying attention come election time yeah uh, let's keep it in Illinois and let's and let's continue to talk about uh, COVID and masks uh, Illinois as uh, maybe some of our uh, listeners at home uh, don't know because if you don't wander outside the state, you wouldn't know. Illinois is one of only 12 states in the United States right now that has a mask mandate, a statewide mask mandate. And um, Governor Pritzker uh, was asked earlier this week, what would be the benchmark to lift the mask mandate? I mean, if you, if anybody out there, if you followed the, followed the data, the data on Delta, this Delta variant, it's gone up like the front end of a roller coaster and it has gone down like the, uh, whatever comes at the second part of a roller coaster, the, the downhill part, the downhill part. Yeah. That's the, uh, I think that that's an engineering term, right? There's the uphill part and the downhill part. Yeah. So, I mean, so, but, but um, and, and, you know, look, I, I think that there's, it's probably reasonable as, as, you know, as the uh, temperatures cool off and we come inside, uh, there are some potential issues that we that we would face in terms of tra transmission of Delta inside if we haven't moved on to another variant by then. Um, but uh, there's no there's no once again we're we're playing we're playing the game without a goalpost. So when does the mask mandate come off? What do we have to do, Dan? Uh, we we have to wait till the maybe the CDC says the U.S. Centers for Disease Disease Control and Prevention tells Pritzker it's okay. I I don't know. He 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 <laughs> he he, he, he wouldn't answer the question. He didn't say. Um, he said um, he's following CDC guidelines. Um, and so the 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 only answer to that question is we have no idea because we don't have. Uh, Pritzker has not said. Um, what data points he's using to determine whether or not he will uh, lift his indoor mask mandate. Now, I don't know about you, but um, yes, when I go to the grocery store, probably 75%, 80% of people are masking up, uh, but a good solid 20, 25%, maybe more than that in some instances are not, and the stores aren't enforcing it. The stores don't care. Um, so it's it's really, um, you know, it, it as I think we've said that we said this a year ago, most of the general public stopped paying attention to Governor Pritzker a, a long time ago. 
Um, um, and, and it's for reasons like this. You remember during the height of um, uh, COVID-19, um, he, uh, he divided the state up into re regions and he had specific benchmarks for each region as to whether or not, you know, they were going to be locked down or yep. whatever. Uh, well, now he's got games, Illinois, Dan. Yeah. But now he's got nothing. It, 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 it is what <laughs> it is nothing. until he says it isn't essentially. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, I look forward to seeing the resolution of that at some point. Will, will, will they inform us when the mask mandate comes off? Will, will there be a, uh, some sort of communication? Uh, to the general public, <laughs> might the media be alerted? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? The way the way he's managed during this pandemic, the communication has been horrible. Um, it's been iffy. The, the goalposts have moved. If the goalposts are even there, um, so who knows? Yeah. Well, we shall see. Um, staying uh, within the the, uh, the world of uh, Governor J. B. Pritzker, he says, and this is a story that we reported on uh, earlier this week. Uh, K-12 student vaccine mandate is not on the table. Um, so, I mean, there is no vaccine uh, that's been approved at this point for anyone under the age of 12. So that would be K to what, six? Maybe? About that, yeah. K to, K to five? K to five. Um, but um, See, help us some, understand what's going on here. Yeah, some states like California... Um, have uh, been been pushing for toward um, um, vaccine mandates for kids to go to school um, if if they're eligible, of course, and that that's um, twelve and over for the Pfizer um, vaccine. Um, but Governor Pritzker was asked this week if he was considering something similar for Illinois, and he said no. So that's that's a positive, I would say. But the governor's been so wishy-washy. Uh, during this entire pandemic that who who knows how long no is going to be no. Um, the question is, when is no going to be turned to, turn to, well, maybe, it, and then the yes. Um, so we don't know. Another thing we don't know about. All right. Okay. So, so that's, that's TBD. We, we I, don't know. We don't know a lot. <laughs> I stumbled into a story, you know, I mean, and I, I found it kind of interesting. The story is about a month old. So this data is trailing a little bit. Uh, but Kaiser Health News, which uh, writes a, a lot of uh, uh, stories that that wind up uh, either being um, featured on public broadcasting uh, or on national public radio, had a story about uh, Medicaid recipients and their vaccination vaccination rates being among the lowest in the country. Uh, and it said in, in you know, Ka Ka the Kaiser Health is, uh, I I'm pretty sure that they're based in California. But, you know, they had this stat that they tossed out. In California, 49% of enrollees aged 12 and older in the Medi-Cal, which is the name of Medicaid in California, are at least partially vaccinated compared with 74% of Californians overall. Mm. So I mean, if if we're really struggling with this, you know, with the you know with with vaccination as a problem, um, and um, and that that problem, you know, is often pointed toward. Uh, I mean, you know, the, if you listen to the national narrative, that it's, it, you know, that it's 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 rural, predominantly, um, you know, conservative uh, people. Um, I don't know that this that this stat package really gets into into the demographics, but 
I mean, in the state of Illinois, the uh, Medicaid recipients here, you know, uh, across the state are most densely concentrated in Cook County, are they not? Folks that are on Medicaid um, generally are lower income families. Um, um, lower income families generally congregate, and this is sweeping generalization, but yes, it is, it is accurate in urban areas. Um, right. Um, so, so yes, the answer to that would be Cook County. But what we've also seen though, too, among the unvaccinated is, is larger percentages of black communities and Latino communities are, uh, are unvaccinated, um, than in, than in white communities. So, um, so, so yes, Rural areas, um, more rural areas seem uh, uh, tend to be lower vaccinated than, for example, the suburbs. Um, but very, many inner city communities also have lower vaccination rates. Hmm. Fair enough. Um, story that just uh, won't go away and was brought back uh, to um, to the forefront uh, by a. Uh, uh, Citadel uh, CEO Ken Griffin this week. It's a, one of my, not to say one of my favorite subjects. It's certainly not one of my favorite subjects, but it is a subject that interests me and troubles me. Uh, crime and violence in Illinois, specifically in Chicago. Um, Mr. Griffin uh, spoke at the Economic Club of Chicago on Monday, and uh, he didn't hold back. I mean, he 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 lit up. Uh, the governor, uh, he lit up uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago. He lit up Kim Fox, uh, the, the uh, state's attorney. Of, uh, there's really nobody was uh, spared the, uh, you know, spared the shots. Right. Yeah, his his company is is based in Chicago, and among the things he well first he I mean he he went as far as to say as with the violence in Chicago he compared it to Afghanistan even said it was worse. Um, than Afghanistan. Statistically, I think he's right. Yeah. Which is crazy. Sad and, and very sad. Um, but he went to, he, he said that he's going to have to consider relocating his business or relocating parts of his business because he's having a hard time now recruiting workers to come to Chicago. And you know what? I don't blame those workers. I wouldn't want to live in Chicago right now with what's going on there. Um, if you could live somewhere else, I think, you know, if you weren't from here, right. I mean, that's the, that's the interesting dynamic. Like if your family wasn't from here, if you're, you know, if your people weren't here, if you, you know, if you had been part of the, 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 you know, the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who've come to Chicago or come to Illinois, uh, in the past, uh, but you came from somewhere else. And you've seen what has happened, not only in the state, but in the city. Um, you're not really as tied here as you might be if you're like third, fourth generation Chicago. It'd be a little bit easier just to dial those numbers for the U-Haul and get lost. Right. And, that, and we've seen that happening. That's been happening for, for well over a decade now with the out-migration, both from the city of Chicago and also the state um, of Illinois. One of the things uh, Ken Griffin um called Governor Pritzker out for was not doing, not giving, providing state resources, whether it be the National Guard or state troop, state police or, or whatever, to the city of Chicago to combat this. But of course, another story out of Chicago this week is the city seems to be going in the opposite direction anyway. Um, you, you had that shootout 
Um, oh gosh, let's talk about this. Where, do, where dozens, dozens of, of shots were fired out on on, a, on city streets in daylight. Um, some of it caught on video, um, where you can see the some of the perpetrators um, who are firing these weapons. Well, state's attorney uh, Kim Fox, the Cook County state's attorney Kim Fox, so far has declined to press charges. Uh, in the case, she and the mayor have gone have have had a verbal dispute going back and forth all week over that. Um, and I don't blame Mayor Lightfoot in this case. Um, you've got evidence. You've got it on video. Charge these people. Get them off the street. Yeah. And so in, in the uh, not to not to call it a loophole, because it's there's really you know there's no such thing as a loophole. There are provisions in the law. And uh, those provisions don't always uh, jibe with the, the way that I think most rational people would understand the law. But what the state's attorney's office determined in the uh, shootout that occurred, and I believe that that was on the west side, um, or maybe it was in Inglewood, um, mutual combat, right? Isn't that, isn't that the terminology that was used? Mutual combat. because. These two warring gangs accepted the, uh, 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 you know, like a, what amounted to be like the terms of a, of a gun battle, that they were not going to charge these people, um, you know, with uh, attempted homicide or whatnot, that, you, that apparently, you know, in 2021, you can have a, an agreed upon shootout with your enemy uh, in the streets, as if this were Deadwood, South Dakota, um, you know, uh, the on the pathway to the gold rush. Yeah, you know that that that's what this is devolved into. The, the problem with you know these 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 rival gangs want to kill each other uh, on their own terms and their in their own specific boundaries. That's one thing. The, the, this gun violence is happening on the city streets with innocent bystanders nearby, even children. We've, we've, we've talked about this before. Children are getting shot every week in Chicago that have nothing to do with the gangs or the gang violence. When innocent people are, uh, uh, when their lives are threatened or their livelihoods are threatened, you need to crack down on the perpetrators. There is no excuse for these people to be out on the streets. I don't care what exception uh, you, uh or exemption you uh, you cite um uh this shootout occurred people were filming it um uh they could have the people who, who got this on video could have been shot who knows what, what could have happened uh there is no excuse for these people not to be charged with significant felony crimes there was another case that was, that was uh, i think uh, like sort of deemed to be again mutual combat that occurred in cook county right this one the one in schaumburg i think is even more unsettling where uh, a, a two kids engaged in a in a fist fight except the one kid uh, brought uh, a knife to the fist fight yeah and uh killed the other kid and um you know so one kid has a knife the other kid doesn't have a, a knife they get into a fight. One kid dies. And that's it. You know, that, 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 that this doesn't warrant um, uh, charges that are any more serious than, what was it? I, I don't even remember. Was it, did that kid even get manslaughter? I don't even think he got that. 
Yeah, it's just if even the law enforcement community doesn't start cracking down. Love police officers. Yes, there's a few bad apples out there. The vast majority of police officers are doing their job. But when the prosecutors do not have their backs, that's a problem. Yeah, that's the biggest issue I think that exists in in, in Cook County in general, um, and you know in Chicago specifically. So, um, veto session is coming up. Uh, you know, every year it occurs at a you know a different time. That's even been I think even like from a public understanding of like what we do structurally within our state government. Um, veto sessions you know have come as late as you know the um, weeks around Thanksgiving. Veto session is is a little bit sooner this year. Uh, Republicans are demanding votes on public safety measures during veto session. What uh, what what can we look forward to hearing about then? Well, Republicans want to bring forth uh, 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 some uh, criminal justice um, reform measures because in response to this um, violence. In fact, this week um, they uh, they held a, a news conference uh, where they pitched several um, uh, a, a series of of, of measures. Um, that would address this ongoing violence. Now, whether Democrats will take these up, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they do not. Um, but they want to. They want to reallocate uh, money that they say that, that they say currently is budgeted for pork projects in various um, lawmakers' districts. Reallocate it to give a hundred million dollars uh, across the state to local police departments to to beef up. Um, uh, police departments um, to uh, th they also want uh, to to create stiffer penalties for violent crimes, stiffer penalties for people who attack um, police officers. Um, so, so, so a series a series of bills have been filed um, that they want to take up during veto session, but it's going to be up to Democratic leadership to determine whether or not those bills uh, will get called. Yeah, I I'm not uh, I'm not thinking that's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just thinking that's not going to happen. It's not a priority. Even uh, probably not, but even this week in response to Ken Griffin, Ken Griffin's criticism of the violence uh, in, in Chicago, uh, Governor Pritzker did come out uh, and, and essentially agreed that it's out of control. He, he said it's quote unquote, nearly a state of emergency. I would say you can get rid of the nearly part and call it a state of emergency. And that would be more accurate, but at least it's partially accurate what governor Pritzker says. So maybe if governor Pritzker pushes for some of these packages. Maybe the, the, the Democrats in the legislature, um, will get on board. Well, that'd be interesting. Okay. That part of it. I mean, if, you know, if, the, if there's an opportunity, I guess, to, to get involved and demonstrate that you maybe that you're doing something, um, that that maybe that the, this you know the veto session would offer a forum for that, um, but the only reason I'd suggest this is and, and, and like not to fall into partisan politics, but legislatively in Illinois, the Democrats, uh, I mean, they have the they have the football and they can score as many times as they want. They actually legislatively they know where the goalposts are at any given time. If this was an issue, or if this is an issue today, why wasn't this an issue, you know, uh, in February, March, April, or May, when they could get together and do whatever it is that they wanted to do? Uh, why is it? Why is it only an issue now? Um, why would we be trying to solve this? There's this summer was bloody. This, you know, there's no doubt about it. 
The numbers are up, but they're up over last year. And last year was a disastrous year for violence in the city of Chicago. So what, I guess my question is, you know, what, why, why now? And why not, why not five months ago or, or, or three months ago? Probably now because there's more public scrutiny of it. It's it's made, you know, it's not just news in Chicago. It's not just news in Illinois. Um, national news outlets have finally started reporting on it. And maybe there's a little bit more public pressure. Yes, I agree with you completely. This should have been an issue years and years and years ago. And it does come up from time to time. Uh, but the legislature should have gotten involved a long time ago. Um, I think if they do get involved now, it's more because of public pressure than anything else. Yeah, fair enough. Dan, um, we're about out of time. Um, anything else on your mind today? Uh, Justin Fields looks like he's going to be the permanent Chicago Bears quarterback, at least permanent temporarily. Does that make any sense? Yeah, the, the uh, Matt Nagy, I think, was about as uh, conclusively inconclusive as you could be. Uh, my understanding was that when Andy Dalton came back or was and was healthy again, that he would be the starter, except he did that and he's not. <laughs> so, so I guess that the Justin Fields era has been uh, – We've been ushered into it. He's been ushered into it. We've been ushered into it. I wish the kid a lot of success. I, I like what I see there. Me too. Uh, I think there, there's, you know, there's reason for optimism. Um, but, you know, the, the reality of it is the United States is a nation of uh, 340 million people. And uh, there are probably 12 polished, you know, quarterbacks that exist uh, in the National Football League. So uh, give give the young man a break, uh, let him develop, have some level of uh, of optimism. Uh, try to tap down that pessimism. Let him develop. Let's see if he can be one of those twelve. I think he has a bright future. I think he will be good, but it's going to take time. You don't just step into the NFL um, and automatically be, in most instances, particularly at the quarterback position, automatically be great. It takes some development. Uh, uh, so let's just see how he progresses. Well, I'm, I'm eager to I'm eager to 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 uh, to get together at some point, some Sunday, and watch him do what he does. So uh, we'll have to put that on the schedule. Dan, uh, it's always been great. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by again today. Enjoyed it. For Dan McCaleb, this has been Chris Krug. You've been listening to the Illinois in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. Now over to Greg Bishop for a look at what the Center Square will be working on next week. Next week, the team from the Center Square will preview the various things that could come up when the Illinois legislature returns to the Capitol for fall veto session. New congressional maps are expected, and there could be a variety of other issues that surface. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop. 